On this episode of the Sacred Playgrounds podcast, we're talking about these emerging adults that are going to become your summer staff and the difference that it makes from a recruiting standpoint, knowing who they are, where they come from, the systems they're in, stages of life they're in, what's going on in their heads and their hearts and their spirits and the difference that makes when it comes to recruiting. Welcome to the Sacred Playground Podcast, where we dive into theology, research and insights, and practical wisdom for outdoor ministry leaders today. I'm your host, Jared Rendell, camp enthusiast and part of the Sacred Playgrounds team. This podcast features Dr. Jake Sorensen, a scholar, practitioner, author, and founder of Sacred Playgrounds, who's helping camp leaders think more deeply about outdoor ministry and the impact that it's making. Wonder with us what God might have in store for you at your Sacred Playground. Hey, welcome to the playground, everyone. It's Jared here and Jake's here. Jake's back. I'm back. Wow. It is. um, I feel like I've been going almost nonstop. It's been crazy, man. But uh, it is good to be back and, you know, back to work, back into the data, um, back with clients. That's uh, that's good. But uh, the travel was good, too. Yeah, so we, in case you didn't listen, we kicked Jake out last episode because uh, we had some guests on to talk about Holy Ground. Uh, so you can listen to that. Listen back to that episode if you'd like. Uh, but welcoming Jake back today after a couple of trips, um, he and his wife Anna got to take a trip to the Holy Land that you are going to hear about on another episode in the future. So welcome back. And then you had to turn right around because <laughs> camp things don't stop and what it was like. Not even 72 hours, right? Before yeah, it was the UNCRM. <laughs> so it was, well, it was crazy because, you know, the Holy Land trip, we were supposed to go in 2020 and then it got postponed, 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 postponed. Right. And, and so when it was rescheduled, it was rescheduled right before the United Methodist uh, gathering, which we knew we had to go to. And I was excited about going to, but it was like, okay, right. we can, we can fit it in. We can do it. So, so we did it. I was, I mean, it was exhausting, but um, we were able to fit in both. And so, uh, Holy Land trip. I'm so excited to unpack and, and talk through it. Um, still mm-hmm. processing. And then the, you know, to turn right around and, and go to the United Methodist Conference uh, down in Georgia, we had a great time uh, with our with our friends and our clients down there. And it really was uh, a great gathering of of uh, camp people and uh, connecting with folks and mm-hmm. uh, hearing about the successes of their ministries. And so uh, it really makes me hopeful. And I had a great time there as well. So uh, a lot of good things, but very exhausting. I bet. I bet. Well, glad to have you back behind this particular mic uh, to talk about recruiting today because we're in the throes. Like everybody's in the in the throes of it. It was interesting. And we mentioned before seeing how early part of one of the trends we're seeing this year. We'll maybe talk a little more about that, but how early people were starting. That also doesn't mean they're they're done now. Right. So as we as we record this here at the beginning of February. People are in it, you know, they're looking for the staff. And now these staff are really, they're starting to sign things and they're, and they're starting to really kind of make their plans official. So, so we thought we'd talk recruiting for a little bit today. This is uh, both, you know, for sake of this conversation, and it's a little bit of a tease, and you'll hear more about it in a bit about a webinar we have coming up really soon, actually, next, is it next week already? It is. And so we're going to talk all things staffing at that webinar. Recruiting is going to be part of that. We're also going to hit on training things 
and supporting throughout the summer. Those are kind of our three big, big points. So you'll hear some more about the how to sign up and the times and dates and, and things like that in a little while. So we're going to unpack recruiting a little bit today, though, my friend. That's the plan, right? Absolutely. You know, this was uh, it was one of my favorite uh, experiences of uh, being a program director. I loved getting out on the trail. I loved uh, talking with potential staff members and seeing the team come together. It was always really exciting for me. But it's also a very stressful time. And I, I, I really um, acknowledge that and recognize that in my colleagues, uh, particularly those who are who are new to it and haven't been doing it a long time. It's it's, it's it gets pretty daunting. You know, you, mm-hmm. you can come into a season and uh, be excited and, and wanting to move forward and hopeful. And then as the season progresses, you know, and you get closer and closer to the summer, panic starts to set in when you, you realize that you're going to be short staff members and you say, what do I do? How do I figure this out? Um, and it's been it's been the case for quite a few years now uh, that uh, camps have had a challenging uh, recruiting environment. Right. And there's a number of reasons for that. And so, I mean, I'd like to unpack some of those reasons uh, if we're able and um, uh, and then try to talk about, you know, what what can we do? What are some strategies? Uh, what mm-hmm. are some best practices? Uh, and what, what can we see from uh, some of the research and data uh, to, to give you some some hope and some direction uh, during this crazy time of recruiting? So that's a really good acknowledgement off the bat. And it's interesting that these couple of critical working with staff times these most important things, and we've, we've said more than once that these summer staff are the heart of your, your summer ministry in particular. They are the ones that make it happen. They are the ones that execute the vision. They are the ones who are answering this call. So they're the heart of your ministry. And these incredibly important times along their journey of becoming a summer staff member, this kind of recruiting and hiring time, and then this training time for those leaders that are bringing them on is both some of the most, because I'm with you, it was my favorite part. I loved these two things. When I look back at my time as a program director, I loved recruiting and I loved training. We're so fun. And so, like you said, they're also the most exhausting and the hardest and sometimes the most stressful. So to acknowledge right away, hear us, everybody. It's hard. It's hard. And it's particularly hard right now. You know, maybe even harder than we had it before. And like you said, Jake, there's a couple of reasons for that um, that, are, that are interesting that say some things particularly about this generation and where where this group is now, but but to acknowledge off the bat that this is a hard thing. It's a lot of work. It takes a lot of time. And it's an important thing, of course. So my um my most challenging summer of staff recruiting was my first summer as program director. And I always, you know, thought that it was because I was new and I didn't know what I was doing and things like that. And that's part of it, right? I, I was still figuring it out and figuring out the urgency. Uh, but it was more than that as well. My first summer as a program director, I started um, in the fall of 2007. And then into 2008, that hiring season was my first hiring season. Unemployment at the end of 2007, the beginning of 2008 was hovering around 5%. Mm -hmm. Now, anybody who studied economics uh, knows that uh, sometimes people label that 5% unemployment as this sort of magic threshold. It's not magic or anything, it's a guideline, right? So when unemployment dips below 5%, economists oftentimes talk about uh, the economy as inefficient. So as soon as you hire a new person, that person doesn't necessarily pay for their labor as much as they did when unemployment is higher. And there has, there's a mm. lot of different reasons for that. It's very complicated. 
uh, in terms of economics, and I am not an economist, um, but I do know enough to see the trends and know that the unemployment rate really does matter when you're trying to recruit and hire staff. Uh, and when the unemployment rate is really low, that means staff wages go higher. That means there's all sorts of opportunities for jobs out there. And so when I was first hiring that first year, not only was I inexperienced, but the unemployment rate was pretty low um, comparatively to previous years and historically. And sure. so that that made it that made it difficult. So I actually hired my last uh, staff person on the first day of staff training. <laughs> I was able to call and get a hold of the person <laughs> and they came. They showed up like the third day of staff training. Right. And so uh, all in all. That's not too bad. You know, some people are listening and are, are like, yeah, I've was I recruit the entire summer. You know, right. I'm bringing on people, you know, in the middle of the summer for a week or two weeks or things like that and trying to fill gaps. Um, and so mm -hmm. my experience wasn't as dire as some people's now. So in 2009, everybody remembers something called the Great Recession um, and unemployment in 2009 went from that that low of right around four point nine or five percent all the way up to nine and a half or even close to 10%. Mm -hmm. That meant that there were a lot more people looking for work. There weren't a lot of paid internships and hiring was so much easier. I thought, oh, I was just more experienced and that's part of it, right? Uh, so I, I learned some of the tricks of the trade and so forth, but it was also the hiring environment. Now, unemployment peaked in 2010, 2011, and then it started to go down and it has gone down since. Obviously, 2020 was a, was a different story, you know, but that was only for a few months. And unemployment is now at its uh, almost a historic low, uh, the lowest time since the 1960s. And so unemployment is, is at like 3.5 or 3.4 percent. It is extremely low right now, mm -hmm. which means that these young people can get a job pretty much anywhere. And that makes it really difficult for us to hire. And so what I want to acknowledge for people and, and let people know is you're not alone in this. Mm -hmm. It's everybody in the industry, not just Christian camping. It's not because people don't have faith anymore. You know, those aren't the reasons that you're having trouble hiring. Uh, the main reason that you're having trouble hiring is because unemployment is so low right now. There are so many other opportunities for these young people and it's competing mm -hmm. opportunities and they have to make decisions. And so when it comes to hiring, it becomes about your story and about your why. Why should they choose you over these other experiences that are also really valuable? Because all these other experiences could be valuable as well. And they see that and there's these competing opportunities for them. And so telling your story becomes a really big challenge right now and saying why should you come work at my camp, spend your whole summer doing this thing when you could do something a lot easier, a lot less stressful, and probably at this point getting paid more money. So it's, 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 uh, it's more of a challenge to make our case in a hiring environment like this. Yeah. The other thing that you acknowledged was this is a difficult time for camping because 2020 uh, things imploded so much. We had fewer campers or maybe didn't have any campers that summer or no staff that summer, maybe 2021 was also a depressed year in terms of camper numbers, in terms of staffing. So then 2022, we tried to ramp back up again, and we found it really difficult. Well, that's because we didn't have as many returning staff members, obviously, right. and we didn't have that pipeline of campers either. 
So you got to think about now here we are coming into 2023 and those campers that would have been juniors and seniors in high school in 2020, they weren't able to go to camp that year. So they missed a couple years of camp. And now you don't have that pipeline leading into uh, your summer staff. And so that also puts pressure on you in terms of trying to hire because we're trying to get that pipeline going again. And it's going to take some time. And so this year is going to be another challenging year Mm -hmm. for hiring summer staff. That's why when we, we were doing this podcast in the fall, we were saying, start now, right? We were saying that in September and October, like staff recruiting, you have to be starting now and you have to be getting commitments from people. You also have to be continuing those relationships because those relationships continuing those becomes really important for this time of year when you can come back to those folks. And it's not like, Oh, I haven't heard from you in six months. It's, Oh yeah. Somebody who's been there, who's had my back and I want to go back and work for this person in this camp because this is an important part of my life and my ministry, and I want to give to this place. Feels just helpful to say that out loud to understand the environment for a couple of reasons. One, to know we're not alone is helpful anytime something is challenging. And two, because it allows us to to use that to hone strategy based on on what we know, right? Because it's not the same, and we can't. Um, of course, there are lots of things we can do the same. And yes, getting in person. We'll talk about this in a minute, but you know, in-person visits and heading to the places they hang out, like at school, their, their colleges and things like that. Yes, those are important. We also know enough about both the environment and in a moment here, we'll talk about who these emerging adults are as people and those motivations and those, those setups and situations and the, and the systems they're in are not all the same as they, as they used to be. So there is, you know, there's importance in, in acknowledging both the environment and these people. So let's, uh, let's, can we pivot there? Can we start talking about what we know about these these emerging adults? Because we sort of take the environment and we take these people, and that's how we get to how we connect with them. Absolutely, you know, th- I think that's a that's a that's a great segue, Jared. You know, as we talk about who are these emerging adults, I say emerging adults, and I know a lot of people say young adults, and there's all sorts of different terms and terminology. In some ways, I can say, well, I don't really care what you call these folks or this age cohort. Um, in another way, I can say it does matter. When we talk about and define who these young people are, where they Mm -hmm. are at in their life, when we say young adult, I mean, that sounds like they're just a younger version of an adult. And our society has really made them into something different. Mm. They have a transitional period of time now. And this is a new development in the Western world. I mean, it's primarily in the Western world uh, because of, again, the job market and the lifespan of a person. We've extended adolescence by adding the high school experience, right? So, so now there's this extended adolescence. And then, mm-hmm. then 18 used to be the sort of this magical age where you became an adult. That's not <laughs> really how it works anymore. Um, and I'm not sure it ever really worked that way, but right. it, it mostly did. What's happening now and, and what we've done since the 70s, 80s, 90s for sure, is we've extended that transition period. So it's no longer just a year or two as you're sort of learning the ropes of becoming an adult. We treat 25-year-olds as kids. We treat 28-year-olds as kids. And it is really annoying when you're in that age group. We can, we can acknowledge that from experience. Um, right. I'm no longer in that age group. Uh, <laughs> told here. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely feel you and I feel the experience of being talked down to 
because that continues and it keeps getting extended. And so now, like in our church, uh, the ELCA, uh, I say our church, uh, that's that's my tribe. Uh, we now define young adulthood all the way through age 35. I mean, that is crazy. Age 35, a lot of people mm. are married. They have kids. Right. <laughs> they've got a career going. What right. we've done is we've extended this buffer zone from adolescence to sort of this real adulthood um, to, to be sort of this, this really long extended period of figuring things out, of experimentation, um, and of being mm-hmm. treated not as a real or full adult. And so rather than there being like this milestone, like now you're an adult, there are multiple milestones that you may or may not ever cross that are sort of the signposts Hmm. of becoming an adult. Turning 18 is just one of them. And it's actually a really small one, right? Things like getting a job, owning property or have being on your own, being financially independent, uh, sometimes still getting married or having kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are some of the markers, right? And so now adulting has become a verb. It's an ing, right? The, the ing <laughs> yeah, there is apparently important right now. And that, that mm-hmm. really should tell us that, you know, it really is emerging adulthood. Like yeah. this is something that you, you are becoming and you're becoming for a long time, an annoyingly long time for people that are like, quote unquote, <laughs> adulting by the age 19 or 20 or 21. Like they are functioning as adults in society and they're still being talked down to. Yeah. Um, and that gets really annoying. And, and even, I mean, when you talk about somebody who's 28, 29 and have been in a career for, you know, a decade right. and they're still being talked down to, I mean, that, that really is yeah. over the top. Um, but, but mm. older adults, that's how they interact with a lot of these younger adults. And so that gets, it gets really annoying for people, but it also, what it does, it opens up this space. And it opens up these possibilities for these emerging adults. And so one of the leading scholars that talks about this period as emerging adulthood and the one who sort of defined it as emerging adulthood is named Jeffrey Arnett. Uh, Jeffrey Arnett wrote a book called Emerging Adulthood many years ago now. It's been like 15 years, but he keeps publishing new things. Um, And so the way that he defined this age period, that there are five kind of characteristics of this age period. and so. He says that this age period is the age of identity exploration. And so you're figuring out who you are and who you want to be. That rings true. It's an age of instability. It's an age where, uh, you you know, you haven't Mm. quite gotten things solidified yet in your life. And so things could change at any moment. um, And you're sort of open to those changes as well. It's number three, an age that he says is the most self-focused stage of life. Now, this is where a lot of times people react negatively. <laughs> Don't tell my this. toddler that. <laughs> right? It's like, wait a minute. What do you mean the most self-focused? You know, I work with young adults or emerging adults. These a lot of these young people are really caring and reaching out to other people. So he doesn't. Arnett doesn't not mean selfish that, necessarily. Exactly. Self-focused in the sure. sense that this stage of life is focused on self-discovery and self-actualization. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Figuring it out. And it really is emphasized in society. Figure out what what you want right. to do, where you want to go, what you want to do with your life, how you're going to make an impact. Number four, it's an age of feeling in between. And so I'm not quite an adult and I'm not a kid anymore. 
I'm sort of in between these two life stages mm-hmm. and I'm oftentimes in between two other areas of life, career and school, maybe moving from one area to another. It's a, a you know, that's that's part of the instability, but also the in between. So mm-hmm. a lot of times these young people are not living in one place for 12 months at a time. And then finally, uh, he calls it the age of possibilities, the age where things are wide open to you. You can be anything you want to be. Yeah. And that's that's what we tell people. And we really we really encourage them that way. Um, And there's a lot of truth to it, but there's a lot of barriers, too. Right. I mean, so everybody's got their barriers. Some people have many more barriers to go over than others if they want to be anything that they could could ever want to be. But it's still this idea that the possibilities are, for all practical purposes, endless. That can be overwhelming. Right. But it can also be freeing and hopeful. So it can be Mm. both of those things. It adds anxiety at the same time. Right. And it it makes things feel really weighty. You know, like if I make this choice, I go down this path. path If you've watched, I mean, sometimes if you've watched almost any movie lately, it's the multiverse is part of it. Right. And this idea that there are these different life paths and I could have taken this life path, but I ended up taking this life path instead. I'm going to take this opportunity to recommend the movie Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. It's up for Best Hmm. Picture this year. It is a fantastic movie. I watched it on the plane coming back from, I don't know, one of the things that I just came back from. (laughs) It must have been the United Methodist Conference, but it was fantastic. Now, it's rated R, so, um, but it's... A disclaimer. It is funny. It's got action. It uh, really delves into you know, what does it mean to be human and things like this and the different possibilities of life. And I could have taken this path, but I took this path instead. And what if I had done this differently? Maybe my life would have been, you know, the dream life that I had always wanted it to be. So these young people, emerging adults are in this time of their life where they're being asked to make these decisions that are going to impact the rest of their life. Right. Right. Like this is really a challenging no time to be in. Yeah, no big deal. Right. <laughs> but what you do and the decisions you make in the next year, two years, four years, five years will determine the course of your life. That's where these young people are and a lot of the things that they're dealing with. And so hmm. some of the things that they need during this time, uh, the things that that we can offer, you know, uh, in the camping world and everybody that works with emerging adults. right? They need assurance and support, right? This is an age of instability. This is an age where they think that there's a magic path, right? There's a happily ever after, but I need to make the right choices in order to get there. You know, that assurance and that support that they're not alone and that you're going to walk alongside them in this Mm -hmm. path and that you're going to bring people to walk alongside them in this path and that there is a God who walks with them in this path and that there maybe isn't one thing, you know, there's not one destiny. There's a God who walks with you on this journey. Mm -hmm. So coming alongside them and and offering them this support is really important. Um, And offering them assurance that, Hey, there might be two right decisions here. You can only make one of them, but there's probably not a wrong decision, you know? Right. And, and, and giving them permission to make that decision um, is sometimes really uh, 
an important ministry that you can do for these young people. So they need that assurance and that support. They need relationships, um, and solid relationships, people that are going to be there for them. This is still an age where uh, relationships uh, matter more than just about every, anything, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and, and so we can really offer that in the camp environment, uh, these strong relationships. With, you know, those of us who have worked on summer staff can remember those relationships that we formed, uh, some, some of them lifelong, right? Um, and, and how important they were in, in helping us figure out the path in life. Um, they're looking for meaning. Um, and so they want to live a life that's meaningful. As long as they make their decisions, they don't just want to make a lot of money, right? Uh, some, some are maybe heading in that direction, but the vast majority of young people in, in this emerging adult age group, they want to do something that's going to be meaningful in society and in the world, right? They want to make an impact. They want to, they want to live a life that's meaningful. They're asking that question, uh, that age-old question that I love from James Loder always uh, articulated it this way. What is a lifetime and why do I live it? Hmm. What is a lifetime and why do I live it? So that's in, in some ways, that's a, that's a lifelong quest. But in this emerging adult age period, that, that really is a quest um, that we're encouraging these young people to make. Like, find your purpose, find your meaning in life. And so giving them something that is meaningful, giving them something where they can have impact. That's what we can offer at camp. So they're looking for uh, assurance and support. They're looking for relationships. They're looking for meaning and meaning making experiences. And they're looking for new experiences. This is a time to try new things out, right? Yep. They see this as an experiment time. Like I can try out new things. I can try out different relationships. I can try out new identities. Who am I? What am I? What do mm-hmm. I want to be? What do I want to do? And so uh, and they're being thrown all these different experiences, right? All of these emerging adult experiences that they're offered are new. They're novel. They're exciting. Like you can go study abroad. You can uh, you can do this major and you'll have this lab and you'll have these relationships and you'll be able to experience this. Uh, so my oldest is now an emerging adult. He's 18. He's going to be going to college. Right. And he did this college visit. And one of the, the things that they're really trying to sell is we have an engineering department where the freshmen and sophomores are let into the lab. You do labs right away. Mm. You get in there right away. And if you come up with an idea, you can patent that idea. It doesn't belong to the university. It's your own intellectual property. And so they're offering this experience, right? And these new experiences, you can study abroad, you can, you can uh, do these labs, you can, you can experiment with all these things, and you can come up with new things and new ideas, and you can, you can create something, it gives you meaning and purpose and direction, and it's yours, right? So you see how they're selling this idea. The people in admissions and, and the people that work in, in colleges and universities, they do these things because they know about emerging adulthood and they know about the brain science and they know what these young people are looking for. They've done research project after research project trying to figure out what can we do to entice these people to come here, right? They want to recruit students. We're looking for the same age group and we want them to come to our place. And so looking at some of the things that the universities and colleges are doing and mm-hmm. offering can give us some insights into this, right? Uh, but we're looking right now and we're talking right now about the same research that colleges and universities are using when they're doing their sure. recruiting. And so when we're armed with this information and we understand what's going on in the lives and in the minds of most of these emerging adults, then we can better respond to their needs. 
We're taking a quick break just to make sure that you have all the details and are able to get signed up for the All Things Staffing webinar coming up on February 16th. That's a Thursday morning at 11 a.m. Central Time is when we'll start. And the Sacred Playgrounds team is going to talk through three things, recruiting, training, and ongoing support all about these summer staff. And we'll also take a chance then to hear from those who join about what's going on in their world. So right now you can head to sacredplaygrounds.com. There's a banner at the top. You can click that banner, click the button in there to get signed up. Otherwise, feel free to reach out, email us at hello at sacredplaygrounds.com. We'll make sure that you've got the details and get signed up for that webinar. If you can't make it, still sign up. We'll send you the recording after. So head there now, get signed up. This webinar will be great for executive directors and program leaders, anybody else who might be connecting with these summer staff before, during, and even after the summer. We'll see you soon. The thing that was striking me as you were talking about that is it's, it's about the messaging as much as anything, right? Using that info, using that knowledge to hone our messaging feels like a, a huge takeaway right here to say, you know, go look at, go look at what is on your staff parts of your websites and go look at the postcard that you've got printed out. Look at what you're looking at at the table. You know, one of the specific takeaways that I'll mention later is about practicing your message, like practicing the message when you're at those in-person visits, own that messaging and use this info to create that because we want to take these, uh, this knowledge and use that to be strategic and intentional because that helps it one, it helps everybody, right? We, we speak to them where they are. It helps us be more efficient. It helps us get to the right people and it helps us get there faster. And all of those things feel really important right now. Absolutely. The messaging is so important. And how you tell the story is so important. And I, I think you're absolutely right in terms of what's your message, you know? And so what we want to do here is, is help you craft that message or at least give you the know-how to craft that message uh, so that you understand what they're looking for um, and what you have to offer that addresses exactly what they're looking for. So they have a challenge. They have a problem. You have some of the solutions. You can help them you know, become successful, you can help them reach some of their goals. Yeah. Part of it is helping them understand what those goals are, you know? Yeah, creating space for that exploration. I mean, you're saying all those things and, and there's sometimes that feels overwhelming. Like, I can't do all that. I can't lead. I got a big staff. I can't lead 50 staff members through that experience. It's okay. We don't have to. In the, in the space that we create, the experience that we create, the culture that we create, that's what they get to enter into. Then go with God, literally go with God to figure that out and do provide that value makes make a difference in these, you know, in these campers lives, make a difference in each other's lives, be exactly that community. We, we get to create space. We don't have to feel sort of ownership on all that. That's Holy Spirit work. And, and we create the space for it at camp. Absolutely. You know, and we're, and, and providing the resources that are there to minister with them as well. Yeah. And so we walk alongside them, but we as the supervisor are not the only person that are, is walking alongside them. They walk alongside each other and we teach them to be ministers, ministers to one another. And the people who have experienced that and experienced true Christian community there want to come back. They want to do it again. That's why we have so many uh, repeat staff members when they have positive experiences, right? So a couple resources for people to really engage with some of this. Uh, so one of the things that I, where I want to direct people you know, people always try to, you know, like do their own research or, or something like this, or this organization is trying to do it. All of this research exists. And a lot of it's in one place, which is great. Uh, because 
the American Camp Association does a great job bringing together resources for camp people. And so they've got something called Project Real Job, and that's on their ACA website. It's under resources. So if you just honestly, if you just Google Project Real Job ACA, uh, you'll go right to it. And what it's got, it's got a whole bunch of resources. Some of them are resources for you to use in your in your staff training and in your understanding of how to talk with young people. And some of them are handouts that you can actually give to the staff members. And, you know, you can kind of guess from the the title Project Real Job. It, it, the idea <laughs> is that working at camp is a real job. Working at camp does help you in your future employment. Uh, it does help you build your resume. Uh, that employers are looking for the skills that you build at camp. Right. And some employers are looking specifically at something like camp in your resume. Um, and that that really is an important thing for these young people to understand because mm-hmm. everybody's trying to convince them that this thing is the thing that they want to do, right? So they're getting bombarded right now. Remember, 3.5% unemployment or whatever we're at right now, it's crazy right. low. So everybody is looking for these young people to work for them. They want to build them. They want to bring them in and then keep them for as long as possible. They're going to they're going to offer them a career if they can, even as they know that these young adults are very unlikely to stay at that career for very long because they want to explore. Right. So they'll stay there for a couple of years and they'll go somewhere else. Why? Because there's hardly any consequences right now for quitting a job and going somewhere else because there's so many job openings. Right. Um, and so they're getting bombarded by all these things and and this information about why they should do this, why they should do that. We can also bring before them the why about camp, mm-hmm. the skills that it builds, but also that employers are looking for something like this. They're looking for that X factor in employees that is, is really going to put them over the top. And something like working at camp, caring for other people's children, that responsibility that you have, the experience of leading groups mm-hmm. of bringing people through different activities, keeping people safe, uh, that supervision, so many things like that really fit with what a lot of employees are employers are looking mm-hmm. for. Are you going to be a good team member? A lot of employers are looking for that. So just about any field working at camp can really be a solid resume builder. You can be creative as well in terms of what type of position do you have to offer to specific people who are looking for specific careers? So somebody that's looking for a career. Sure. In film or IT or photography, you know, bring them on as your photographer, as your camp, mm-hmm. as your camp person, as as your camp store person, things like that. Um, and if you have the capacity and the connections at the university, make it an internship. There's no reason yeah. that these positions can't be internships and that they can't get credit for these things. A lot of a lot of universities and colleges already have this built in, but you can also make this happen proactively. Um, and so that's that's the that's the little bit extra. You're like, oh, this is a lot of extra work. You know what's a lot of extra work? A lot of extra work is trying to find somebody to fill the staff position on July 1st. That's a lot of extra work. <laughs> that's, that's what you don't want to be doing. Yeah. You want to do the work now, not in June or July and be panicking and have to call parents and say, your kid can't come to camp because we don't have enough staff. So be proactive now and be creative now about how you can really make your positions not just enticing, you know, obviously we want to make it enticing for people, but we want to make it valuable. Increase the value of what you're doing and how you're connecting to these young people and what they're getting out of the camp experience. And that will attract more people, but it will also further your mission in terms of 
walking alongside these emerging adults and building leaders for mm-hmm. the church and building leaders for your communities in the world. Uh, so, so we really, we really serve the mission by doing these things. Um, and we want to connect the young people to our mission, right? They want to do something that matters. That's meaningful. You've got a specific mission. You've got core values. Don't hide those things. Tell them what you do. They're going to go for meaning making over money. A lot of times meaning making over money making. I like that. Meaning making over money making. We did this uh, when we talked about the, the, the camp and church leadership project. Right. We, we did that, that whole survey of, of summer camp staff, 800 summer camp staff. And what were the reasons that they were working on camp staff? And the, the primary ones were meet new people, have new experiences, have an impact on the world. Those were the three main right. reasons. What was, what was the last one on the list? Do you remember? <laughs> Make money. Make money. It's yeah. not that it was unimportant, right? We no. want to pay our people. And it might be a reason that they might say no, you know, if it wasn't part of the system. I just it's can't. It's a barrier. Right? Yep. It's, it's not going to entice them. That's not, that's not why they're going to come work at your camp. It's got to be yes and. <laughs> yes. So it, but it can be a barrier for sure. Yeah. Think of all these different barriers that, that are in the way. So, so when we think of barriers to working on camp staff, uh, money might be one of them. Right. Try to make it so it's not a barrier. Right. Yeah. And that means paying them a fair wage. Yep. But also letting them know about things like uh, the cost of room and board and the importance of those things, the importance of the experiences that they're having there that they're not paying for. You know, you're not right. you're not paying to go to the pool or go canoeing or go on the zip line because that's part of your job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah, the change in expenses was always one of the most captivating things for for people. Yep. As much as like, yes, you could make more wherever else, but honestly, when you do the math. We did it one time. We did a we did a comparison and add in the things, add in the, the difference in how your weekends go in between things and yep. often come out sort of on top from a from an actual sort of profit end of the summer perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I think that's a that's a good way to keep letting people know that it doesn't have to be a barrier, you know. So, I mean, some of the other barriers, um, the time commitment is a barrier and be, that is yeah. a barrier that is really hard to get over. Some people are trying to get over it by, you know, offering, oh, you can just work for two weeks or, or one week as much as possible. I encourage people to avoid that um, because of what it means for the quality of the experience and the quality of the relationship building and the staff community. And so there are always going to be people that you need to bring in for a week or two weeks because you've got, you know, busier weeks. Right. And, mm-hmm. and maybe you can fill those with former staff members, people that are already trained. They really know what they're doing, um, things like that. Um, but trying to keep that staff community cohesive uh, over the course of the summer is a big part of creating that safe space. It's a big part of making sure that people are well-trained and the experience is good for everybody. Don't sacrifice the experience. Yeah. And don't sacrifice your mission for the for money. Sure. Right. So. All right. So Jake, I want to pack in three tactics at the end here. Um, okay. That will be that will be quick related to what we're saying. Right. So there's a little because there's we all we always do this on here. There's a there's a where do we go from here because we could you know, we could keep unpacking so much about about these staff and about who they are. So we already mentioned the first one. Um, so the first one is check your messaging in all of the places it's going out there right now. And in in preparing for how you yourself, executive director, program director, whoever else might be out on that trail. Technique number one is check your messaging. Keep that messaging in line with all of these things that, you know, that Jake's been laying out here and see where it might make sense to hone and tweak that messaging. That's tactic number one. Tactic number two, which sort of has an ABC, 
is is to to check your sources, check your recruiting sources. And we will we will talk about this. I'll tease now. We're going to talk about this a little more in the webinar, but check your sources. The three quick ones that we will mention, and some of this we know, maybe maybe the third one we might not be tapping into yet. So number one is returning staff. Of course, use use them. Use returning staff. Yes, get commitments from them. Hopefully you already have them. If you don't get commitments from them, and then they are your next tightest, most experienced source for other staff. They know the people well. They know that they're faithful. They know that they could handle things like this. So returning staff, of course. The other group of people to connect with, and we've talked about them before, are your camp enthusiasts, in particular, your pastor enthusiasts. These are the people who have some young adults, and this can include those campus pastors at these schools. These enthusiasts, they want to see these young adults thrive, and they almost never get asked. Right? We heard that in that CCLP data and other info, too. They almost never get asked about who, who do they have, whose kids who are just starting college. So, so those pastor enthusiasts are one that you may not be tapping into yet. So who are they? Get, a, get yourself a list. Check in with you know, people like board members and things like that to get yourself a short list of those camp pastors. Because those enthusiasts, Jake, you've mentioned before, are vital. And yes. they are begging to be tapped into. Ask them, you know, get your list and then ask them for a list. Absolutely. You know, yeah. So you've got your and list of camp enthusiasts and say, I want a list of the, the people that I should call. And I want you to make that personal connection for me. Yeah, you start the email, you make an initial call, send a message, hey, I'm connecting you with so-and-so, right? So yes, returning staff, yes, especially your enthusiastic pastors, board members, ca- campus pastors, people like that. And then, and then of course, the, the chances to get in person, the chances to get in person at things like college visits, whether it's actually sort of the fair that's happening, the campus ministry events, whether it's worship service that you connect to, right? offer to come bring a message or preach or, or add value to that campus ministry, getting, getting in person with them will make such, such a bigger impact as much as we blanket push these things out. Of course, we're going to push some social media messages and we're going to put up there on our websites, hey, we're ready for staff and hiring is all of that. Yes, those processes should be tight, but getting face to face with them because this is a, a relational process will be will be really important. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm so glad you mentioned that. I mean, all these tactics are really important. And, and we're moving into like college recruitment fair season. You know, mm-hmm. February usually is the time when people are going out to these different job fairs and recruitment fairs. And we did that when we were program directors and people would complain about how bad they were. They're not as good as they used to be. And um, I still hear a lot of that. What's the value in this? And you hear people say, you know, okay, Jake, I hear all these trends and this research about emerging adult ministries, but we also know that emerging adults these days and this generation, this age cohort is online way more than previous generations. So we, isn't, doesn't that mean that it's more effective to get online? Why are we going to these college visits and, and wasting all our time? And I say, yes, they are online more. They're online more because that's where their friends are, because that's where community is. So if you can get plugged into those community centers, absolutely be online. You have to have an online presence. And that doesn't substitute for in person. You have to show up. Because other people are showing up. Why do they make the decision to work at this place rather than this place? It's because of who they know. It's those relationships. 
if somebody cares enough to say, I want you and they show up, that makes a big deal. Is it worth it? Now think about July 1st again. (laughs) (laughs) The answer is yes. Rather drive those two and a half hours on February. Absolutely worth it. (laughs) Yes. Do it. Do it now. And remember that a lot of people, because of they want to keep their possibilities open. Remember, it's the age of possibilities. They're trying to keep their options open for the summer as well. So getting them to commit might be a challenge. And that's a reality that you just you got you got to deal with. You got to roll with and understand that some people aren't going to make their commitment until later on. Um, And as we all know, this is especially it's a tendency. It's not all the guys, but it tends to be with guys. Uh, So when we're looking for male staff members, a lot of times they're a little harder to pin down because they're leaving more possibilities open and not getting in front of things as much. But uh, the more you can get in front of it now, hopefully you've already been getting in front of it and you've got commitments from people since September, October, November. Um, and now you're you're signing contracts and things like that and you're filling in positions. Yeah. But if you if you're not there, don't panic. Um, but really, it's time to get to work. Right. <laughs> and, and get ready to get out there. Clearly, Jake and I have some energy around recruiting and hopefully you do, too. Hopefully this is a really joyful part of what you're doing. We said at the beginning, it is a lot of work. It is hard. It is consequential. And that's what makes it all really good, really important, really holy work because you're creating some holy space for these. Again, part of your ministry, your summer ministry in particular, are these are these people. So take all of this and sort of filter it and apply it to what you've got ahead. One last plug, we will share some of these buckets and also lean into some training and support things at the webinar on the 16th. So you are invited. That is a free thing again. You, you heard that info. So make sure you get signed up. If you haven't yet, go do that. Then we'll talk a little more. And there will be space during that because everyone will be on and live to get you know a little specific or bring up a certain idea or something like that. And blessings, prayerful blessings on this uh, recruiting time. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Sacred Playgrounds podcast. Thanks for listening to the Sacred Playgrounds podcast. This episode was produced by me, Jared Randell, and featured Dr. Jake Sorensen, lead researcher and founder at Sacred Playgrounds, LLC. Our theme music was written and performed by Taylor Wilson. You can find his original songs wherever you get your music. Learn more and connect with the Sacred Playgrounds team at sacredplaygrounds.com.